You're listening to the Fix My Feet podcast. Solutions for every step in your journey with the nation's leading foot and ankle specialists. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Fix My Feet podcast. I'm here with my good colleagues, Dr. Evan Leonards and RPA Ashley Anderson. And I'm Dr. David Waters, a foot and ankle surgeon, foot and ankle physician. And I'm glad to be with you guys today. How are you guys doing? Yeah, doing well. Feeling ready to fix. Let's go. It's all about fixing, you know Mm. what I'm saying? When you're the fixers. So (laughs) anyways, so we're going to talk about some fixing today about something. I I swear I get asked about this at least three or four times a day in clinic and, and when I deal with patients, but shoes. I get always get asked about shoes. Which shoes should I be in? Which shoes should I not be in? And rightfully so. I mean, they can make a big difference, like in your pain and especially with certain kinds of jobs that you might have. So I think it's a fair question, but wanted to address it because we get, I get asked about it all the time. So I thought we might start talking about this topic with some different types of shoes uh, that maybe not are not so good, and then uh, we can kind of verge into what we would recommend as a shoe, any brands. Uh, we're not getting paid by anybody, so this is completely like you know pro bono advertisement for any companies that we mentioned today. Uh, so let's start with everybody's favorite shoe wear, and that's flip flops. Dr. Leonard's, what's your what's your take on flip flops? Yeah, thongs aren't the best for sure. I mean, you you can <laughs> you can get some that are better than others. Not all sandals are made the same by any means. Sandals in general, if you're talking about like a Birkenstock versus a flip flop that you get at Walmart, drastically different. Flip flops in general, I mean, obviously they have their uses. You know, if you're going around a pool, you just need something to wear here and there. But some people make a habit out of wearing them. You know, daily out of the house on trips going to Disney World, my flip-flops, I'm walking around in my house, my flip-flops, I got my house flip-flops, my backyard flip-flops. So yeah, I don't know if it's the best option for long-term uh, feet pain and, and survivability, but I think uh, they have their uses, but it's not probably one of your better options for day-to-day footwear. Ashley, what are some of the functional shortfallings of flip-flops versus like a, a good structural shoe? What are, What are some of the functional shortcomings there? Well, first off is there's no way that it's staying on your foot unless you have to grip with your toes. So it does force you to almost grip more up in that front part of your foot. It's also a very thin material, usually like it's squishy, but it's just, that's all it is. It's just a layer of some soft plastic or foam or whatever it's made out of. So there's really nothing to hold up any part of your foot. So there's no support to it. And if anything, you have to use your front part of your foot even more to get them to stay on. Yeah. It it really does not su- provide any mechanical support. Yeah. I mean, as far as something to help with foot fatigue or, you know, hold the foot in a certain position and it just, it doesn't exist for the two reasons Ashley talked about. It doesn't stay on your foot. So your foot can easily overpower the flip-flop. And number two, the materials that most of them are made out of. Now, I've been on hikes in national parks and seen people hiking in their, their precious <laughs> flip-flops. So I, I, I know what's out there. 
But I'm just telling you, those those do not provide the kind of support that, that you need for any kind of serious activities. If you want to walk around the pool, walk from the car to the beach, nah, go for it. I mean, they're perfect for those kinds of activities, but it's not a great uh, functional device. If you get a patient who's like, I got to wear a sandal dock, like... Evan kind of talked about some before, but what are some brands that have kind of tried to, you know, not that I'm recommending these on a long going basis, but what are maybe some types of brands that have tried to bridge that gap to be a more functional type of sandal versus just a piece of plastic with a thing for your toe that you get at a lot of places. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Some of the ones you may have seen that might do a little better job. Yeah, like Dr. Leonard's mentioned, like Birkenstocks, those are good. They have some like an actual arch that's built into them. And then another, and a lot, some of them even have that back strap. So then they're going to stay on your foot as well. So depending on the sandal of whether it's a slip on or not. And then also some of the other outdoorsy type sandals like Chacos or Tevas or some of those other ones where they do have straps. So they stay on your foot. So at least, and they usually do have a little bit of an arch. I know Chacos do, Tevas don't always. So it just not all sandals are created the same, even by the same brand, but that would be, I guess, three of the ones that I can think of off the top of my head. Clarks are a big one for women. I know they have, I think they have a lot of different types of footwear, but they have like actual close toed shoes and stuff too, but I think they have some really pretty quality sandal type shoes. They're basically like a clog almost just without the the top part. And then they usually have a back strap to them. So as far as sandals go, they're pretty solid. Yes. Also Canes. Canes yeah, and then also uh, Joseph Seibel's another brand. It's a little bit pricier of one and it's like they have nicer sandals that are more supportive. Oh, that's a good list for people to work off of. Let's talk about my next least favorite category of shoe, and that is women's dress shoes. These things are cheap plastic. They're pointy at the end. They, they force your toes into awful positions, which lead, lead to other conditions we can talk about at other times. But we'll let Ashley, she, she has more experience with women's dress shoes than I do. So, uh, Just a little bit. Uh, what, what do you think uh, women's dress shoes, Ashley? It's very hard to find a supportive dress shoe. Yeah. Very hard. And most of them are very skinny or if they're flats, they're usually ballet flats or something like that. So they will slip off if they don't fit your foot just right. Or even mules will do that. I mean, most of them won't stay on your foot unless there's a strap. Like if they were starting to slip off, some of them just don't fit right. I mean, really, they are just really hard to find a good supportive and open toed or like wide toed dress shoe. Really, it's very, very difficult. So I guess like some of the ones that I've seen that are a little bit better brand wise, like Dr. Leonard's mentioned Clark's, but some of the mules or I don't remember, I'm blanking on what this shoe is called, but it's like a flat, but instead of just having the little ballet flat, it has just like a wider top. So more of the foot is covered. And then usually it's more box-like and it's not the pointy kind. I would hit the pointy, the pointy toed shoes are maybe the trend or the fashion, but not good for your foot. One one of the challenges for sure, and this is true of men's dress shoes in in, in modern world as well, is that really the widest part of your foot is the front part of the foot where your toes are and what we call the metatarsal heads are 
are up there and there just is not a dress shoe or, or very few that are made to accommodate that being the widest part of the foot. And so all of those shoes force your toes into a contracted position and, you know, prolonged wear of those is, is the soft tissues will adapt to that position and it will lead to some tendon shortening and muscular imbalance. And those lead to deformities that we see so commonly like uh, bunions and hammer toes and neuromas and uh, other things that we end up treating all the time. And so high heel, you know, really tight point. I mean, that's just I, the most horrible of all worlds combined, shortening your Achilles tendon and leading to Aquinas and leading to all our forefoot pathology. But for men's shoes too, Dr. Leonard's generally not as wide up in the front as, as we'd like to see those shoe, shoes be. Yeah, no, and I think it's the same kind of with that trend too. They're very tapered in the front, even the ones that I've had recently. I, I think I got lucky with a couple. You kind of got to pay for it with dress shoes for sure. You can get some $30, $40 ones that are rough, especially if you're going to wear them all day. I don't remember any specific brands, but I've I had a couple that were, I mean, probably close to $200, but you know that there's a little bit more support there and they're able to be worn for a, a complete day without your feet ache and are you getting blisters everywhere or anything like that? I would say like the, the best, like we're, we're talking about recommendations from a men's dress shoe. Cole Hahn, I think has done a good job of trying to uh, almost marry dress shoes and athletic tennis shoes together in some fashion, although they're still tapered in the front a little bit, which I think is some of the problem, but that's the only company I know on, uh, on men's dress shoe size, but that, those are some of the issues that exist around the other thing about commonly about dress shoes, they're just not deep enough. I think that's the other challenge for a lot of people is that the shoe itself is just not have the depth. And so if you've got a high arch foot or cavus foot, that's going to be really difficult with, with a dress to find a dress shoe that, that might accommodate something like that. So, okay. So we talked about flip flops. We talked about dress shoes, Crocs. I mean, I see these things. I mean, Crocs has made a, a fortune. Kudos to them, like, uh, for doing that. But I mean, Evan, give us the, what's the 411 on Crocs? I don't love Crocs. I think, I mean, I think the cushion probably feels good to a lot of people, especially if you have some atrophy or some breakdown of that cushion on the bottom of their foot for whatever reason with age or just with overuse or just with their bone structure. And so sometimes that cushion feels nice, but what it's not doing is, is holding your foot in an in alignment it's allowing it to do whatever it wants and so although the cushion feels nice the actual biomechanics of your foot aren't really being helped or or corrected in any way and so i think over time it's probably doing more harm than good i think it has a similar place as a flip-flop like you throw some crocs on you're going to go to the pool you're going to go to the beach you're going to go take the trash out you're going to go do this or that that's completely understandable i have to throw on a steel-toed boot for everything or an athletic shoe but but yeah not not great for everyday wear for long trips for hiking, wouldn't hike in my Crocs. So. Yeah. so if you had to choose between going barefoot and wearing Crocs, which one would you do or uh, recommend? Crocs. Yeah. Crocs better than barefoot. Yeah, I agree. So on that note, a couple final things here. There has been a trend more towards barefoot activities and people who believe in barefoot movements and and uh, I, I watched a couple of YouTube things. There's a couple of docs out there that totally advocate barefoot. For the reasons that we've talked about, the shoes that we have in the country don't really accommodate good biomechanics or good structure. And so they think that barefoot 
is uh, the way to go. I'll leave it open to you guys. Do either of you have any thoughts or uh, impressions about barefoot barefootedness or, or shoes? Some some companies that make shoes for barefoot people uh, that have spots for your toes so they're really spread out and like provide some level of protection if you're running or something like that. Either any thoughts on barefoot uh, populations? I remember seeing the vi- the Vibrams, the the five toed yeah, shoes. Yeah, yeah, I saw those all the time, especially in the gym. People would wear them. I, I kind of understand it from that point. If you're going to deadlift or do some flat foot work that you want a lot of stability, I kind of get that. From like a running or like repetitive impact standpoint, it's pretty minimal protection, pretty minimal support. So I don't know if I would recommend that. I used to wear. I mean, I think from like a a minimalist shoe standpoint, and usually when they look at that it's like the drop off from the heel to the toes so like less than four millimeters is usually a pretty minimal heel to toe drop and basically your foot is sitting flat like it would be if you were barefoot and i think a lot of people like that aspect from a i think a lot of the argument is that it's training your intrinsic musculature to be a little bit more strong a little bit more stable help you stabilize your foot then when you're barefoot it's not that different than when you're wearing shoes. And so there's not this big transition. So I don't know. I mean, I'd probably have to see some more long-term research on those kinds of things, but for the majority of people, unless you're a high-end athlete or you have a really good idea of what you need uh, physically, most of the time, a more supportive athletic shoe that we could probably touch on is probably going to be the best bet. Um, yeah. Something that's going to give you some extrinsic stability. So you're, you're not trying to work your musculature all the time. Yeah, and I think that that is the argument of the barefoot population is you're strengthening the internal structure of the foot and so that you don't need shoes. But I think that that leads to, you know, you're switching one set of problems for another set of problems there. And if you find the right shoes, I think that that's inherently probably the better way to go uh, with those things. So I'm going to throw out a few situations and want to get your guys' recommendations on what you would do for shoes here. First situation we encounter all the time, people that work in factories that stand on their feet, you know, all day, every day, eight to 10 hours standing. They move a little bit. They walk down the line, up and down the line, but a lot of prolonged standing. Your thoughts, uh, Ashley and then Evan, real quick, what kind of recommendations would you have for somebody in that situation? I'd do something that's going to support your arch more. So even if it's a shoe that you have to wear, like steel toed shoes, something like that, a lot of them might not have good support inside the shoe for an arch. So that would be when something like orthotics would be good. I know for surgery, we stand a lot. Um, and so I have like clogs that have an arch in them because it's just a lot of just fatigue of the arch that you can get when you stand a lot. That's what I would say. Yeah, I'd say a good support tennis shoe. A lot of times those line jobs or factory jobs have mandatory steel-toed boots or, you know, some sort of a protective shoe gear recommendation that you have to have to have. So I would say something either like a a supportive boot. A lot of people get like the red wing boots or something like that. Like a leather boot is, is pretty solid, especially if you're not walking a bunch, if you're standing pretty stationary Um, or supportive shoe. And we could probably do a whole podcast on types of tennis shoes and different support there. But I think just touching on the three main kinds, I mean, you want to get something that's good for your foot type as well. And and everybody's a little bit different, but when you're looking at, at tennis shoes, you've kind of got those, the neutral style shoe, the, the stability shoe, and then the motion control shoe. And those are kind of increasingly supportive. 
for somebody who doesn't have the best arch or tends to overpronate or things like that. And so not only wear something that's supportive, like Ashley said, and like a boot or a supportive tennis shoe, but get something that's appropriate for your foot type so that you're not rolling one way or the other too much. Evan leads us right into the next few uh, recommendation sections. Knew it. Cavus foot. If people don't know what cavus foot, these are people with really high arch foot types. So they're inside what we call the medial arch, inside arch, really high, really, really curvy, tend to be more on your outside part of your foot than you are on the inside part of your foot. So recommendations, Evan, for cavus foot than Ashley. Just straight shoe gear wise, like without talking inserts or anything like that, just you want to look for like a neutral shoe, which is basically something for someone who really doesn't have any deformity, who just has a normal, what we call rectus straight foot or a cavus foot, like he's talking about with a little bit higher arch. It doesn't have so much stability and support medially, which allows you to have your arch collapse a little bit when you walk, which is something you need when you have that type of a foot versus if you get something that's more of a stability shoe or motion control shoe with a lot of extrinsic posting medially along that arch. And some of those shoes even have, I I know one of the Brooks brands has um, metal rails that go along the inside of the arch to stop you from collapsing. If you wear something like that, it's going to throw you over more and you'll start rolling out even more and you can get pain on the the outside of your foot or roll your ankle or a bunch of problems can arise from that. So I'd say a a neutral shoe and then some sort of insert with it. I was going to say, I think I know Hoka makes a type of shoe for high arches as well. So that's one of the brands that they specifically will make something for that. They're a great neutral shoe, just like Evan was saying. They they make a really good neutral shoe. So somebody with a real flat foot, Ashley, what things might they look for in in a shoe versus what we just talked about? Well, Dr. Leonard's already kind of mentioned, so Brooks has probably some more shoes that you could work well for the flat foot since it's opposite of having a really high arch. And then something that if your foot is really flexible as well, not something that is, is as deep cut, but maybe comes up a little bit closer to the ankle to help correct part of that movement. You're right. I mean, there are some shoe brands that make what we talked about externally posted shoes uh, for flat foot, people that overpronate. And so if you go to a good shoe shop, they should be looking at whether you're a pronator or a supinator or a high arch and, and making those recommendations. But that's something you want to think about. I know New Balance and Brooks both make an externally posted shoe. And so that's something you you can look into. There's other companies I'm sure out there. Like I said, we're not sponsored by anybody. So if you've experienced some earth shattering shoe, you know, drop it in the comments and I'd be happy to take a look at, at what you got. But those I think are some common scenarios. One, one final common scenario are exercise communities, people that run a lot or, or want to exercise a lot, uh, thoughts on shoes and maybe also, especially in, in some of these communities, frequency that people should be changing their shoes versus not changing their shoes. Dr. Lawrence. Yeah, I think most of the brands we talked about are pretty solid from a a running or workout standpoint. And I know a couple brands that we probably don't talk about a ton like Nike and Adidas. Some of the ones that tend to not be quite as supportive as some other ones do make some really high quality running shoes. If you are willing to spend the money on the upper echelon of their product line. But I think overall, just basic, a good supportive athletic shoe. And brand wise, one thing I did kind of figure out recently is um, 
Ultra is a brand that I don't hear about a ton, but they have a really, really wide toe box, which I think is is helpful for a lot of people, especially if, if you have a hard time finding shoes that are wide enough, if you just have a, a wide foot or you have a little bit of a bunion deformity or something like that, or you're having trouble getting into shoes, I think that's a brand to try that maybe not a lot of people have, have heard of or might not have seen in stores. But yeah, I think I think a supportive shoe from that standpoint is is fine to work out in. And then I think, I mean, it's kind of a bummer when you pay... 150 bucks, 180 bucks for a new pair of shoes. That's quality. But I think probably six to nine months, if you're doing pretty solid exercise, is probably a, a decent cutoff to start looking at getting a new pair. I'm probably not the best at following that recommendation, to be honest. But from a breakdown standpoint, especially if you're doing lots of running, that wear pattern will just really affect your biomechanics when, when the shoe starts to break down on the outside. So treat yourself to a new pair every, yeah. probably twice a year, I would say. Anything to add to that, Ashley, as far as breakdown and mileage? I'd say also if you have a foot deformity and you're wearing out your shoe on one side or the other, then you're going to need to change it sooner, yeah. probably every three months or so. Yeah. Yeah, I always tell patients that shoes are like cars on a tire. There's mileage limits on these things. So if you're a runner and you're tracking your miles, you, you need to know. You, you'll You'll end up with some overuse injuries as your shoes start to break down. And so uh, make sure you're changing your shoes on the right kind of mileage and basis. Uh, make sure you're in the right kinds of shoes. And if you have any more specific questions or thoughts about shoes, drop them in the comments. Like I said, uh, I'm Dr. David Waters, Dr. Evan Leonard's and Ashley Anderson here. We are the Foot Fixers. Just wanna make sure you check us out on social media and let us know anything you want us to cover in upcoming episodes, drop comments here. We're at Platte River Foot and Ankle on Instagram, Platte River Foot and Ankle Surgeons on Facebook and TikTok, and also our uh, Facebook page for the uh, podcast at uh, the Fix, Fix My Feet podcast. Look forward to uh, future episodes. Have a good day. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Fix My Feet podcast. To schedule an appointment with one of our providers, visit www dot prfootandankle.com dot com.